you can listen to The Front on your smart speaker every morning. To hear the latest episode, just say, play the news from The Australian. From The Australian, here's what's on The Front. I'm Claire Harvey. It's Thursday, April 13. The consumer watchdog, the ACCC, says it's very concerned about allegations of interference in Indigenous art by white gallery staff. Responding to revelations in an investigation by The Australian, ACCC boss Gina Cascotley issued a stern reminder to anyone considering putting brush to canvas. We do currently have powers in relation to misleading and deceptive conduct if there have been misleading representations about prominence. Businesses which employ people with disability are getting a funding boost. The government will double the grants given to employers to improve accessibility and fund Auslan interpreters. It's the first time the Employment Assistance Fund caps have been raised in more than a decade. And Social Services Minister Amanda Rishworth says it's all part of a wider push to get more Australians with disability into jobs. It's the controversial chokehold that's been linked to the deaths or permanent disability of at least five men. So why is Queensland Police the only force in the country still using it? In today's episode, Inside, the investigation that's putting pressure on the police commissioner to ban chokeholds for good. That's a 2020 Black Lives Matter protest in Sydney as demonstrators rallied to the global horror at the murder of George Floyd. After arresting Floyd in Minneapolis at the height of COVID lockdowns, a white police officer killed him by kneeling on his neck for eight minutes as Floyd lay handcuffed on the ground. Floyd died because the oxygen supply to his brain was cut off. Although there were initial reports, he had underlying health problems. Not to mourn the loss of George Floyd, whose death sparked a worldwide movement, but to celebrate their native son. Some death ain't about dying. Some death is about waking all of us up. In the United States, grief turned to rage. As a nation simmering with unrest, unraveled. How long can you be peaceful when your people are dying? Deaths in custody are an ongoing blight on our justice system. As police under pressure interact with frightened and often vulnerable civilians, and it's been demonstrated over the decades in Australia that Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people are particularly at risk when dealing with law enforcement. From what I've seen, half the people that I've found that have died from the use of this neck restraint are Aboriginal. Michael McKenna is The Australian's Queensland editor and he's been investigating the use by police of a deadly form of restraint. And then if you add the other four or five that I've looked at but I can't conclusively say, then you could make some argument that the people that have been hurt or died are disproportionately uh, Indigenous people. It's not as obvious as a knee on the neck but it has exactly the same effect. 
The Queensland Police Training Manual calls it a lateral vascular neck restraint. Grieving families call it a chokehold. So I can tell you what I saw. My son was the victim of a violent attack and the police were the aggressor. He was sitting in a locked car when the police smashed the window, dragged him from the car. He was beaten with their batons and kicked. This is Raylene Nixon, the mother of Stephen Nixon McKellar, speaking to Michael McKenna for his investigation. He wasn't submitting because he was afraid that he was being beaten. I'll be forever haunted by the terror he experienced moments before his death. Stephen was 27 and living in Toowoomba when police apprehended him on suspicion of stealing a car. There was a scuffle and Stephen died on the street. Police said at the time he'd suffered a medical episode and Stephen did have some underlying complications. He'd suffered asthma and a chest infection and he'd consumed some methamphetamine, ice. Not long after his death, Stephen's family gathered for a smoking ceremony on the Toowoomba Street where he died. Michael's been reporting crime and policing in Queensland for years, and he could tell there was more to this story. So he too went to that street and started knocking on doors. I started looking at it because he was a 27-year-old strapping fella, and 27-year-olds don't normally die. And the police said that he died of a medical episode and that he had collapsed unconscious. Queensland police are fairly prone to be guarded about the information they give out about situations. It's not like in America or in other jurisdictions where information or body cam footage can be made available publicly. Uh, They weren't answering questions about this. So I went up to Toowoomba and I walked the street and knocked on doors. Michael says the community response to his questions was mixed. Some didn't want to get involved. Others had a lot to say. One woman who showed no sympathy for this man's death said to me, that he'd been struggling with police. I said, was he striking with police officers? She said no, and she made the point that, well, you know, he died because he was resisting police and that's his problem. And then she said, and then a a third police officer came in and grabbed him around the neck. And that's why we started to really look at this. Michael's reporting unearthed an internal Queensland Police autopsy report that showed, in fact, one of the officers had applied pressure to his neck so hard that Stephen had been left with bruising and that this had contributed to his death. These chokeholds, which are illegal in other states, have resulted in at least four deaths, including Stephen's, and one man's catastrophic disability. Queensland police are specifically trained to execute it, that is, compressing arteries in the neck and cutting off the brain's blood supply. Obviously, it's a really dangerous procedure and it's a practice that's allowed under the police manual. Each police officer who's on the beat is trained how to use it at the police academy and then they're retrained every year. So when will Australia be rid of this deadly restraint? That's coming up after the break. 
Hey, I'm Felicity Harley and I host Healthyish, where we chat to experts, influencers and people in the know from around the globe to arm you with the knowledge to make healthier decisions for your mind, body and soul. I think if we're going to be focusing on health, like sleep is probably the biggest component oh, of that. I, I think sleep is the cornerstone. Like choose the harder option because I've never woken up and gone, I regret that run that I went at 4am. I've never done that. Search for Healthyish and Extra Healthyish wherever you get your podcasts. Michael McKenna's investigation found four lives were lost and one irrevocably changed by the use of a controversial chokehold by police in Queensland. Countless others have been dealing with the fallout for years. In every single case, these people who have died or been seriously injured, they've got underlying health issues. On the one hand, having those health conditions make some people, poor people, more vulnerable when this kind of force is applied. On the other, it can be a convenient explanation for deaths that occur during an altercation with police. It's true that Queensland police don't really want to talk about it. Last year, a Queensland Police Working Group secretly reviewed use of lateral vascular neck restraint in its ranks. According to leaked documents obtained by Michael, the group was told use of the restraint couldn't be linked to significant injuries and that medical literature on the subject is sparse. That was not made public. No one knew that it was happening. There was no calls to submissions from outside medical experts or human rights advocates or judicial or Aboriginal advocates. I was able to get some leaked documents that showed that there are concerns within the Queensland Police Service at the very highest levels about the continued use of this neck restraint. But more interestingly, they canvassed all of the police services in the rest of Australia, state and federal, and the Australian Federal Police, and asked whether they used this neck restraint and what their views were on it. And it showed that all police services were unanimous in that they didn't use it, and that the reason that they didn't use it was because they thought it was dangerous. It was decided at the time that the controversial restraint would continue to be used by Queensland Police. But now it's all out in the open, and it could mean lateral vascular neck restraint is thrown out sooner rather than later because of pressure brought by the Australians reporting. Premier Anastasia Palaszczuk has said she's concerned that Queensland is the only state still using it. The state's police commissioner, Katarina Carroll, will personally review use of the restraint. Whatever decision she comes to, one question remains, why, when police have accoutrements like capsicum spray, tasers and guns, has Queensland held out for so long? The police union here is quite powerful and there are a lot of officers who feel that this is something that they should be allowed to use. And because it's normalised and it's part of their training, they get retrained in it every year, it feels like it should be part of their armoury. And the police commissioner, when I interviewed her a couple of weeks ago, even talked about it being a part of muscle memory. She said this is a problem with the officers. It just has become a reflex manoeuvre. When they're in a tight wrestle with an offender or an alleged offender who is resisting arrest, others will say that they need to retain this manoeuvre for their own well-being because they'll be in a really tight struggle 
and they can't get their hands to the capsicum spray. Another police officer said if you start spraying capsicum spray in close proximity, the spray will come into your eyes. The taser, there's problems whether you can pull it out and sometimes it's just their reaction and they grab someone around the neck just as if they were in a, you know, in a fight. That phrase that you used, muscle memory, is a little bit chilling. Do you think if we do get to the point where the government completely bans it and it's not allowed anymore, that it will stop? Uh, well, you'd have the advantage of those officers who are new, rookies, I think they call them, that come through the police academy and they won't be trained in that. But it'll just have to be a re-education process for the Queensland Police. And I think it's now a question of when rather than if. One person who's waiting for the day when lateral vascular neck restraint is banned is Stephen Nixon's mum, Dr Raylene Nixon. A lot of this has come down to Stephen's mother really pushing for answers. Obviously, she won't get a son back, but she is really pushing She's told me the only thing that she can get some solace out of a son's death is if the neck restraint was to be banned by the Queensland Police Service. She makes the point that there is, as we all know, underlying health issues with Aboriginal people and they come into contact with Queensland Police. So she feels that they're more vulnerable if this neck restraint is applied to them. So she wants that banned. Michael McKenna is The Australian's Queensland editor. Thanks for joining us on The Front. You can read Michael's incredible investigation and all the rest of the nation's best news, business, sport and politics right now at theaustralian.com.au. I'm Sarah Lamarquin, Editor-in-Chief of Stella and host of our podcast called Something to Talk About. Every weekend we publish a new episode where you'll hear compelling personalities, strong opinions and thought-provoking conversations. I wanted to be able to do it in my time when I was ready and speak my truth when I was ready. The topic of when do I become a mum, that is in my mind 24-7. Search for Something to Talk About wherever you listen to your podcasts.